We're going to turn our Bibles this morning to John 4.35. We're going to be speaking out of that verse, John 4.35 today. And as you're turning there, I'm going to pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you that it is about your heart. It is about your design. Jesus only did what he saw you do. He only said the things that he heard you say. And, um, and he lived that example before us. And we get to live that example today. That, Lord, um, we surrender our hearts to you today. I ask today, oh, I feel your presence. Thank you for your mighty presence, Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask for your spirit of wisdom and revelation that you'll touch us, that our hearts and our minds will be touched today and to be formed more and more like yours. Thank you, Father. Let Christ be formed in us. Lord, I thank you for the anointing upon us for the mission you've given us as a body, as a house, as your people. In Jesus' name, help. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. John, thir- John uh, chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus said, Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are, ripe, they are white for harvest. I'll read it over here in another translation. Do you not say there are still four more months, then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life, so the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored, and you have benefited from their labor. Powerful. Powerful. The principle of sowing and reaping is a reality in the kingdom. And even if you're not living in the kingdom, it's actually a universal truth. Yeah, right. There are those in the kingdom of God and those who are not living in the kingdom of God by faith in Christ. And yet this is such an absolute universal truth, this issue of sowing and reaping. But in the kingdom, it looks different in the kingdom. What he's talking about is this harvest. We can talk about sowing and reaping in many areas of life. But what Jesus is talking about is the harvest of people coming to God. Right. In Matthew, he said, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers. It's powerful. So that the question is not whether there is a harvest that's ripe and ready, but whether or not there's enough workers out there harvesting. And so, do you not say there are yet four months? There's so much in this one verse. I'm going to break it down. And then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you. Right. He said, you say, don't you say four more months. That's what you say. And Jesus says, but I say, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields. They are white for harvest. It's a perspective change. 
And I think a lot of times we create beliefs around what we have yet experienced or what we have yet seen. Right? And so the, maybe the church, that, maybe how we grew up in church, right? And, and or sometimes even around disappointments in our life where, where we have seen, like where we haven't seen the fruit of the kingdom manifest. And so then we come up with teachings for ourselves that make us feel okay about those lower standards. You know what I'm talking about? And, and some of that it results in this kind of thinking that Jesus is actually lovingly. I love when Jesus confronts because he's, he's not like rebuking them harshly. He's going, you say four more months. In other, in other words, you say it's not time to harvest yet. We're not going to have a harvest yet. Maybe in four months. Maybe later, maybe after we fast for a while, maybe after we pray, maybe after we jump through a few more hoops. And in the future, though, we know someday that there's going to be a harvest. Right. And yet, if we're not careful, the kind of that kind of thinking can lead us to like pot at the end, uh, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow theology. You know, you ever try to chase the end of a rainbow? It never gets any closer. It's, it's always way out there. You can run toward that rainbow, man, and you know, it's like there's a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. Well, somebody said that a long time ago because they know you were never going to get there to find out. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I know it may be a little bit of a stretch in your mind to think, but it does apply sometimes to the way we think where the Bible says now faith is. Faith is a now thing. Right. And faith provides fruit. Right. Faith brings substance to the things that we're hoping for in our hearts. And, and, and faith is what brings into reality. Now, faith is what causes heaven to manifest on earth. The heart of God to, dis- to be displayed, not just in words, but in power and in fruit. Right. I just read a quote by Rodney Howard Brown. He said, don't tell me the glory's in the room and nothing's happening. You know know what I mean? I love Rodney Howard Brown. Don't tell me the glory of God's in the room and nothing's happening. You know? And I'm like, oh, it's a good word because it's, it's not a harsh rebuke. The good news is the glory of God is available. We have access and lots of stuff happens. Mainly harvest. So he's saying, guys, you're saying four more months. And I understand that Jesus is talking about, okay, he was taking them from a natural thinking. I imagine when he's speaking to them, they were literally four months away from the actual harvest of grain. Right? And so Jesus was taking them from a natural way of thinking into a spiritual way of thinking, which is what he was always seeking to do. And the natural way of thinking builds a belief system on what I already know, what I've already experienced, what I've already seen. And a spiritual way of thinking involves faith. And it means that whatever he says is true, whether I've seen it yet or not. 
And the key to me seeing the fruit that he desires you and me to see is that I will sacrifice my experience on the altar and I will take on the worship of faith and believe if you say the harvest is ripe, then it is, no matter what it's looked like to me. And the thing I find is that the more I meditate on the things he says, the more I realize, you know, he's right. The field really is white. It really is ready. And I was out for a run here, uh, you know, this last week. And, and as I was out running, I was meditating on this subject, thinking about how some of the things, some of the belief systems that we perpetuate based on our what somebody told us or whatever it may be, you know, like, it's hard. For instance, here's one. You know, it's hard. This is a hard place. It's a hard place. Hard place for the kingdom. It's a hard place, you know. And, um, and, and, and I'm thinking, you know, the reality is, is that the power of life and death is in the tongue. What if our hard time in ministry is because we keep declaring that it's hard? And so that we are speaking over our area We're speaking over our own ministry. We're speaking over our own life. And we're saying, it's hard. Oh, it's just hard. And now I've got an excuse. That sounded harder than I meant it to sound. I don't mean excuse. You know what I mean? But it's rather... Let me say it this way. This is more accurate. Yes, it can be an excuse. But more so, it helps us feel better about what we're discouraged about. You know? And so then we go, well, it's just a hard area. And I, well, what if it's actually just my belief system? What, what if I believe what Jesus says about his fields? What if I just start believing that and then my confession changes What's it supposed to look like? Do I believe that the fruit that Jesus has called me to is that once in a while I get to pick a berry? You know? Or do I believe the harvest Jesus is talking about is like blackberries in late July down by the creek? It's not about, it's not about if you can find them. It's about how long you're willing to pick. You know what I'm saying? Two-thirds go in the mouth, one-third in the bucket. And, and, uh... <laughs> And go home for pie. But, uh, but, alright, let's, let's, let's continue on. So Jesus says, I say, now I want to talk about, so he says, you say, right? And he says, I say. But what does he say? He says, lift your eyes. It's powerful. Jesus tells us to do something. This is, this is a game changer for you and me. This is a game changer for you and me, because so often in our lives, we are going about, we can, we're perpetuating a belief system, and then Jesus comes, comes along and he says, hey, lift your eyes. I want you to see something. Look out there. Lift it, no, lift, lift it a little higher. Look. You know, like, look. You're like, oh, that feels good on my neck. You know, like it was sore from looking down so long. And, and you look out at the, at the harvest, and he says, see, it's white. It's ready. And so he gives us, so lift your eyes is about 
a new perspective. Not a perspective that helps you just feel better, but a game-changing perspective that aligns your belief system with God's reality. Right? Remember we said, whatever you believe to be true seems true to you, but when you believe the truth, you're free. I mean, whatever you believe seems absolutely true and there's fruit of it and it continues to back itself up in your life. See, I knew that was true. See, I knew that was true. See, I knew that was true. And then Jesus says, there's something that's more true. This. And you go, oh. And next thing you know, you put your faith in what he said and then you see fruit. And a lot of people believe that, well, yeah, I think there's a lot of us that believe it's kind of an unspoken belief that, You know, we're just going day to day and there are seasons where um, people will be born again and seasons where people won't be born again. But you know what I noticed? Whenever I get around evangelists, they always seem to be in the same season. They're never in a four more month season. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm like, we're praying for souls. And then I get next to my friend and he's like, and he's just like bringing in the, he's got bundles you know, and you look down the row and he's just been bundling them up and, and, and lining them up. And you're like, four more months, man. He's like, dude, I don't, I don't have time for that conversation. I'm too busy harvesting. And they're just coming in. You know what I'm saying? Like, try to tell the guy in the field who's harvesting full grain, ripe, ready wheat. Try to tell him, no, hey, man, well, four more months, maybe. You need to pray some more. And I'm just telling you that I know for my sake, what I've noticed is that when I get around that kind of a, an anointing, I realize, oh, the ripeness of the field has never been the issue. It's all about the workers and the perspective. And so I'm excited. We're in a season of harvest. And that season started right here in John 4. Where Jesus declared it. I was thinking about this. You know, Jesus said, the, the fields are right. He never came back. He never. I can't find it anywhere where he came back later and he was just like, oh, guys, the fields aren't ripe anymore. You got about a thousand years of plowing, hopefully another harvest. Like, Jesus never changed the season. And and there 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 are realities to the seasons in the natural of Plowing, sowing, reaping, but in but in, in the in the reality of since the Messiah has come, then the reality has switched in the spirit. It is harvest time. You go, but you got to plant. Yeah, but but he says here, he says the reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life, so the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. So in and so what's happened in the kingdom now is while you're reaping, you're still sowing. And so by the time you come back to that same field, man, you're reaping and sowing again. You're reaping and sowing, but we never have to wait, right? You guys with me? I'm gonna help I'm gonna help. So he says, lift your eyes, change your perspective. In other words, this is what I hear Jesus saying, Brandon. Change my perspective. Change change your perspective to mine. Take my perspective. And what I noticed is that when I take the Lord's perspective, the fruit of my life begins to change. 
I call it the fruit test. I call it the fruit test. You know, we used to we used to spend a lot of time in in, in intercession way back when I was younger, you know? You know, like spiritual warfare. You know? Back in the day, shouting down invisible devils out of the sky and pulling down strongholds and and all the stuff I never saw Jesus do anywhere in this book or any of his disciples, apostles, no one ever taught that. And but we we're good at it, super good at it. And and um, and and like and but what I noticed is no hear my heart on this. OK, I know it all comes from a beautiful heart and. Do I, I think God sometimes just goes, I know what you mean. I'm going to answer your prayer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's, it's like, I do think he's that gracious. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I know what you mean. You want me to come. And and um, and uh, and yet. And so I get. So then I begin to get this teaching about about, you know, we don't do that. This is what we do. We're the light of the world. You know, it destroys the works of, the, of darkness. When we go out and just be the light, we actually don't have to tear, tear down and shout at devils in the air and stuff like we cast devils out of people. The rest of them are just being ruled over by you and Christ as you walk around, you're seen with him. And so and so the, when the light of God is shining and then and so I remember hearing this teaching, right? I'm like in my mid 20s. They're like, we don't do that. We don't go around tearing down strongholds and all this I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I, I remember thinking, then what do we do? What do you mean we don't do that? Then what do we do? How do we pray? That's what we do. We do that. And then it always stays the same. We just keep doing that. And we never see any strongholds break. And then I met some folks and they're teaching this. And then you know what I noticed? I'm like... I'm a little, not offended, but a little offended. Like, you know, like, then what do we do? I, I kind of, well, I believe you because I think I believe you, but I, I don't understand. I've been doing this for so long. You know, you can have a belief system that is so rooted you don't realize it's not even in the Bible. And, and, and then I began to just look and go, well, let's see. I'm going to compare this area of my life with that area of their life. Who has more fruit? Hmm. Well, they're seeing open doors in the city, many coming to Jesus, miracles on the street. Hmm. And I had seen some miracles and some people come to the Lord too, but they were living under a reality. And I realized your way of intercession is actually more biblical. And it's bearing much more fruit. So I divorced the old idea and adopted the new. Because I lifted my eyes and I looked from the Lord's perspective. And if we're willing to do that, there's always upgrades available to us. Amen. Amen? All right. So he said, look. The word look there means behold, look upon, View attentively and contemplate. He's like, look out at these ripe fields and just think about it. Like, you can imagine Jesus saying, look at the fields. The souls are ripe and ready. And just stare at it and contemplate this for a while. 
This is what the Lord is saying to them. Let this really sink in. Let it sink in. Let there never be another question whether or not the harvest is right. And I thought, what if the harvest we are experiencing is directly related to the harvest we expect? The beauty of that is we could change our expectations. Like, what if it's true that we could just believe for an outpouring? That that's the thing. Revival's coming someday. No, it's here. It's here. It's in here. It's in here. I'll say that with all humility, but I'm in a personal revival. I am in, I'm in revival. You are too. There's a revival inside of you by the Spirit of God. Our harvest will be affected by what we believe. Are we called? Look. I was driving. I've had a few cool encounters in town this last week. And um, this is what I want to encourage you to do. This is kind of a call. Like, this is a call that's on us. And I, I just had this thought this week. I thought, what if every believer in the body of Christ actually believed at a core level that the harvest is ripe? That, man, right out here, there are people that want to know Jesus and they just don't know it. They're looking for the answer and he is it. And I know him and I have him to offer. What if every single believer in the body of Christ believed that the harvest is ripe and that that they were anointed for this purpose? What if everyone just in this room I'm not saying we don't believe it. I'm just saying if we believed it in such a way that it became the most compelling, motivating force of how we walk out our door every day. And that we had harvest eyes on everywhere we went. Not pressure to tell people how many people I led to Jesus this week. But eyes that say, I am a worker in the harvest And I am out here today, and there are divine appointments. He has predestined me to walk in these works. And there are people out here just waiting. Waiting. And that and that they believe it in such a way that they that every believer, this is how I think about it, just took full responsibility for the family business. It's a family business. It's a family business. I this, I uh, it was so cool. I yesterday, I saw Tanya in town, and I just, <laughs> hi Tanya, and uh, and um, and so I I pull over to the side of the road. Molly and I had to run out, run to the store real quick, and uh, went to Holiday. And on the way back, um, pulled over to the side of the road just to say hi to Tanya there, 
And, um, and uh, you know, and I saw that as a divine appointment. There's Tanya. We're, we're connecting, you know. There's, there's, uh, there's one of us, and we're connecting out here. And it was great. And you could pull over, and there's an exchange of grace like there is when believers come together, you know. But the cool thing is, I probably was there five minutes, right? Maybe five minutes. And within that course of time, Tanya and I witnessed three divine appointments right there. People walk up, two people walk up, and without, you know, giving out away people's names and stuff, but, but two people walk up, I'm like, hey, you, and hey, and, and there's a young lady that's been touched by the Lord right here, and, um, and she's like, look, I think she bought a ring. Did she buy that from you? It said, it said, trust in the Lord. She's like, look, look at my ring. Look what it says, trust in the Lord. We all need the reminder, right? This, this young lady's been transformed. She got baptized in the Spirit right here on a Sunday morning. And, and, um, and I bump into her from time to time, and she comes from time to time. The Lord's drawing her closer and closer. But she goes, she goes, we all need a reminder. I think everybody does. She's like, just surrender, right? Just surrender. I said, that's right. We surrender. And, um, and she introduces her to her mom, and that was a divine appointment. I never met her, and God loves you, and, and they move on. And then another lady walks up. Next thing you know, we're meeting her. We're telling her the Lord loves her. And then she grabbed us and started kissing our cheeks. This lady <laughs> And it was wonderful. It was beautiful. It was pure as can be, you know. But, but you saw the seed, the message of God loves you. As soon as it hit her heart, tears came into her eyes. She was, she was like visibly impacted by God's love for her. And she comes over and she grabs me through my window and she's kissing my cheek. And, 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 and Tanya too. And, and, uh, and, I'm, and it was just amazing because I'm like, she's just blessed. By the love of God. And I'm just saying, man, this is the harvest. Like, we plant and water, and then God brings the increase. These people are coming in here. All kinds of people from this area, they're, they're going to come in. They're coming in, actually. We're seeing it happen. We're seeing it happen. We've got new people here. And, and they're coming in. And, and, they need, and so what they'll need is to be folded in to community. To be folded in. And so, so I, I feel like one of the things God is increasing for us is our ability to fold in new people. That, that we're going to look and say, you're actually, we've been waiting for you. Come on in here. This is your family. This is your house. If you know him, this is your house. This is your family. Um, and so people are getting folded in to reap a harvest in this area. And what I love about that is that God will never call you and me to do something that He hasn't prepared in advance and then gifted and graced us for and then decided that we were going to get to do it with Him. You know, God's never going to call you to something that He hasn't set you up for success for. And the key to that is just simply to recognize that very fact, that we get to join him. We get to join him in what he's doing, right? And, and so it isn't about, like, it isn't about 
like, if I've got the best idea, it's about what are you doing and how can I partner with you, you know? And I think that's a big part of the Christian life. It's learning how, as we surrender our hearts and walk with God, what are my good opinions and what is God actually leading me to do. You know what I'm saying? What are my ideas, opinions, thoughts? But what, and what is God actually saying? Because one of them is going to bear fruit. Only one of them is going to bear fruit. Because he's the fruit bearer. I've called you for this purpose that you would bear much fruit. He's called me to bear. He's called you to bear great, great fruit. Is that amazing? Say, I was born to be fruitful. I don't know if you believed it yet. I was born to be fruitful. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So what if every believer truly realized that the harvest is ripe and that they are anointed and equipped to reap? If every believer took it to heart, lifted their eyes of faith to the harvest and felt a personal responsibility to family business, how many would come to Jesus? And so I've been praying that the Holy Spirit will stir our hearts to a greater level. And fill our hearts with faith for the harvest. Because workers in the harvest are filled with faith for the harvest. And the faith for the harvest is what actually affects the harvest. I just want to say this again in closing. This, this is what I want you to, to realize. That, that what I experience in my daily life has nothing to do with what I've experienced before. It has everything to do with what I believe now. You go, well, I haven't seen that before in my own life. I've seen other people. But, but Jesus said, blessed are they who believe and have not seen. Because in the kingdom, it isn't seeing that, that, that produces belief. It's, it's belief that, that opens our eyes to truly see. That when we believe according to what Jesus says about the harvest and about these times that you and me are living in. What if the difference between a barren land and fruitfulness had everything to do with us just believing what he says to us? <laughs> and what if, and what, if, what if the light that is in you when it shines always works in every season wherever you go? Well, I suggest it's true. And you're going to reach people that I'll never meet until they get here. And I'm going to, re- I'm going to reach people that, likewise, you know, Sharon's going to reach people that Autumn doesn't know. Autumn's going to reach people that Annie hasn't come in contact with. But just imagine how many people will fill this place by simply us going like, oh, they're out here? Yeah. Throw your nets out there. Let's stand together. Please, please. I'll tell you, the grace and the anointing of God is released through your life in ways that you don't realize. I want to encourage you with something, Mountain Chapel. Do you know what? Your light, you are 
a light. And it is always shining, even when you think, when you think that you, you don't have a light, you still do. Because you don't be a light, you are a light. He didn't say, try to be the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. You are that. Well, I don't know. Well, too bad. I already made you that. You're light. You're light. I'm light. You're my child. You know what I mean? He's a being of light. And you were born of him. Like, you know, your kids look like you. If he's light, you're light. You're light. And, and so I'm telling you that when you just look at people, you, you just, sometimes you just lift up your head. Speaking of lift up your head, sometimes if you just lift up your eyes and catch somebody's, just catch somebody eye to eye in the grocery store. And, and just let the love of Jesus shine through a smile. You don't have to, I'm not saying don't give them the mystic gaze. I'm just saying, like, let the love of Jesus just shine through you, you know? Hey, and you know what's amazing? I see people look back like, hey, God bless you, you know? And I'm telling you, substance gets released. And sometimes there's a word to say, and sometimes they just receive something and they walk away going, I don't know what that was. But you'll see him again, or someone else will. You know, I had a flight attendant lock eyes with me on an airplane once because I was just up, just thinking about how God lives inside of me, letting the light shine, you know. And he's like, he, well, he's giving his little seatbelt thing, you know. And he was like, and then afterward, he, he beelined it to me. And he was like, hey, I noticed you were engaged. Well, what's different about you? And, you were, and I said, oh, yeah. And then we got to share. You have that. Okay. Uh Let's put our hands on our hearts. Let's do it this way today. And ministry team, if you please come forward while we're doing this. If you can walk with hands on your heart. Lord, we thank you that what you did on the cross was a complete work. That when you tore the veil, it was completely torn. That when you opened the door, it was completely opened. There's nothing left except to come in. There's nothing left except to say yes to you. And I just thank you for touching our hearts, Lord. And where the enemy has tried to discount us and say, no, other people, but not you. Or, and, or try to use our past or our mistakes, or our imperfections, or, well, you know what, we got in an argument yesterday. You know what? You're human. There's grace. But you're still the light of the world. And so I just pray for a deep stir in our hearts, Lord. And we agree together for a harvest. Because that's what you're doing.